0: Welcome back to A Minder. I am Courtney Klosky and I will be your host for this podcast episode. Today we will be discussing papers from January of 2021. The papers in this episode are in the category of disease mechanisms and they are on my favorite topic, apolipoprotein E or APOE. And a little bit of background to get you oriented before we jump in, and I'll reiterate this a little bit more as we move through the episode, but APOE is the largest genetic risk factor for Alzheimer's disease, with APOE4 conferring an increased risk to Alzheimer's disease. We'll be talking about APOE4 as well as the other two isoforms, ApoE3, which is often thought to be more of the control phenotype, and ApoE2, which is hypothesized to be more protective for Alzheimer's disease. All of the papers today will be related to ApoE in one way, shape, or form, so be sure to stay tuned for some super interesting papers. Welcome to A Minder, a podcast where we summarize the latest publications on Alzheimer's disease for you, so you can spend more time doing awesome research. For every month, you'll find a series of episodes by theme and each comes with a bibliography. Whether you're in the lab, on the bus, or cooking your meal, we hope you find this podcast useful and accessible. Okay, let's do this thing. This episode has 13 papers and they are grouped into three categories. We'll be looking at papers describing the impact of APOE on cognitive function, the role APOE plays on biomarkers, and finally the molecular mechanisms behind APOE. And before I jump into this, I want to give a little bit of a disclaimer that I'm simply giving you summaries of these articles based on the abstracts. So if you wanna check out any more on any of the papers that are discussed today, you can get the bibliography for this episode and look into the papers a little bit deeper and you can judge the scientific rigor for yourself. So like I said, our first group of papers for this episode is focused on cognitive function and the role and the impact APOE plays on it. Our first paper of the day is titled Apolipoprotein E4 allele is associated with a long sleep duration among elderly with cognitive impairment. This paper has first author Basta and last author Vontes. This was published in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease. So we're gonna start off this episode with one of my favorite topics aside from APOE, and we're gonna talk about sleep because who does not love a good night's sleep? So this paper is diving into the question of does APOE4 play a role in sleep duration? APOE4 has been shown to increase the risk of Alzheimer's disease, and to piggyback off of that in individuals with cognitive impairment, a longer sleep duration is also actually associated with worsened cognitive performance. So they're trying to see if maybe APOE4 plays a role in this worsening cognitive performance. They used patients with both Alzheimer's disease and mild cognitive impairment, or MCI, from a study in Greece. And overall, they found that patients with mild cognitive impairment or Alzheimer's disease with APOE4 had a longer objective overnight time and a longer 24-hour sleep duration. This suggests that there might be a genetically driven preclinical marker that can be associated with a worse prognosis in elderly patients with cognitive impairments. Our second paper for this episode is titled, The Association of APOE4 with Cognitive Function Over the Adult Life Course and Incidence of Dementia, 20 Years Follow-Up of the Whitehall II Study. This paper has first author Gabrielle Marani and last author. And this was published in Alzheimer's Research and Therapy. The authors of this study wanted to dive into this idea that ApoE4 impacts and may alter cognition over the adult life. We know that it's a risk factor for Alzheimer's disease, but maybe it also has implications outside of that. And in this cohort study, the authors used over 5,500 participants and they followed them for over 20 years to study their cognitive function over the course of their lifespan and studies like this are just so so valuable to the field i cannot stress that enough and i cannot thank the participants in studies like this enough but i digress so basically They did a lot of modeling and assessed the relationship between APOE genotype and cognitive function trajectories, and they accounted for several other measurements to determine the association with dementia. They found that either one copy or two copies of APOE4 led to poorer cognition and a greater risk of dementia the older the individual was. And they found that there might be a potential cognitive advantage at midlife with one copy of APOE4. Our third paper of this episode is titled Visual Memory Deficits and Middle-Aged APOE4 Homozygotes Detected Using Unsupervised Cognitive Assessments. This paper has first author Lem and last author Maruf, this was published in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease. This study goes really nicely with that previous study because we're really looking into the impacts of APOE4 on middle-life cognition, specifically looking into cognitive dysfunction and memory and seeing if you're able to detect these deficits in middle-aged individuals using a large battery of unsupervised cognitive assessments. They studied younger individuals enrolled in the Healthy Brain Project and older individuals from the Australian Imaging Biomarkers and Lifestyle Study. The exact cognitive tests are more explained in the paper, but basically they found that you can start to see memory impairments in APOE4 carriers between adults, of the ages of 50 and 60 through their assessments, and that even gets worse with age. But the authors do note that this really needs to be expanded out into more cohorts to really dive into this relationship. Our fourth paper for this study is titled Apolipoprotein E4 affects the topological brain network organization in mild cognitive impairment. This paper has first author Sanbri Diaz and last author Karif, and this was published in Scientific Reports. This study wanted to investigate the impact of APOE4 on brain network organization, specifically in the stage of mild cognitive impairment. So they used a data set of 253 mild cognitive impairment patients that were split into either carriers or non-carriers of APOE4 to study this network organization. They measured cortical thickness in individuals using T1-weighted MRI, and if you're interested in the specifics here, be sure to go look at the paper because, believe me, I will just confuse you. But Overall, they found that in mild cognitive impairment, APOE4 impacts the connection between adaptive mechanisms that help transmit information through the brain, and in severe cases, this could be where the problems in maintenance of cognition and other symptoms might occur. Our fifth paper for this episode is titled, Vitamin D Levels, APOE Allele, an MRI volumetric assessment by NeuroQuant in Norwegian Adults with Cognitive Symptoms. This paper has first author Soraz and last author Bondivik. And this was published in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease. So vitamin D is incredibly important for immune regulation and honestly a million other things. And the authors of this study wanted to see if there was a potential link between vitamin D levels and the ApoE isoform. This was a very explorative study trying to see if there was an association between serum levels of vitamin D and brain volume as well as if that connection holds when you throw in ApoE isoforms to that equation. They used 127 people with cognitive symptoms to really start to test this. And they didn't find any significant changes between vitamin D levels and the ApoE isoforms and brain volume when you looked at them all together. But interestingly, they did find that ApoE homozygote individuals had a significantly larger lateral ventricle and a smaller hippocampal volume than those without any ApoE. For isoform. So long story short, they showed that higher levels of vitamin D might be associated with larger gray matter volumes. But since this was an exploratory study, this definitely needs to be expanded out further. But this is definitely an interesting place to start. Okay, paper number six for this episode is titled, Impact of ApoE4 Genotype on Initial Cognitive Symptoms Differs from Alzheimer's and Lewy Body Neuropathology. This paper has first author Pillai and last author Laverne's, and this was published in Alzheimer's Research and Therapy. Okay, in this paper, we're starting to branch out from just the normal Alzheimer's and mild cognitive impairment which is what we've been covering in the past few papers and we're starting to look at the impact of APOE4 on cognitive symptoms either in Alzheimer's disease or Lewy body dementia and the authors of the study use the National Alzheimer's Coordinating Center database for this study and an important thing to note about all of the patients that were used in the study is that they have all been neuropathologically confirmed cases of their dementia so they've all gone to autopsy and they've all been analyzed after death so we know that this is actually what is in their brain. With the APOE4 patients with Alzheimer's disease, they had a higher chance of their initial symptom being more amnestic, and with APOE4 and Lewy body patients, they were more likely to have a more visual spatial symptom to start with, and this helps us push the idea that APOE4 impacts cognitive symptoms differently based on what neuropathology is present in the brain. Okay, now we're moving into our second section of this episode on the impact of APOE on biomarkers. Our first paper of this section, or the seventh paper of this whole episode, is titled Prospective Associations Between Plasma Amyloid Beta 42 to 40 Ratio and Frailty in Community-Dwelling Older Adults. And this paper has first author Lou and last author Villas. And this was published in the Journal of Prevention and Alzheimer's Disease. So switching gears a little into our biomarker studies, this is the first study that we're seeing looking at if there's an association between plasma levels of A-beta 42 to 40 ratio and frailty. And they used a cohort of patients that had been studied over a five-year period. One thing that I do want to note is that this plasma A beta 42 to 40 ratio is thought to be a marker of the level of amyloid beta present in the brain. It's much easier to draw blood than to put them into a brain scanner. So this is one way to try and model what is happening in the brain. Okay back to the paper, they did not end up finding anything that this ratio was associated to frailty. However, the authors did conclude that even though this A-beta 42 to 40 ratio could not be directly linked to frailty, APOE4 non-carriers, so individuals without APOE4, with a larger amyloid beta burden, are potentially more susceptible to frailty. Okay, paper number eight for this episode is titled, APOE4 Copy Number Dependent Proteomic Changes in the Cerebral Spinal Fluid. This paper has first author Bernger and last author Kurekin. And this was published in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease. So we're keeping with the biomarkers, but we're switching and we're looking at cerebral spinal fluid or CSF instead of plasma that we were looking at in the previous paper. So the authors of this study wanted to explore the CSF, and see if there were changes in individuals with Alzheimer's disease, and they wanted to see if there were any proteomic changes that were specifically driven by the APOE4 copy number. They used the Alzheimer's disease neuroimaging initiative for this study, and basically they found that by increasing the APOE4 copy number, there was a decrease in CRP levels This is a C-reactive protein, and that protein is involved in innate immunity and complement pathways. This increase in APOE4 copy level and the decrease in the CSF complement protein levels is something that the authors suggest looking into for future studies. And They also talk about several other genes that are altered in these other models that they use, but I do not want to give you alphabet soup, so if this is something you're interested in with APOE and inflammation, be sure to go read more. Hey, listeners! I'm here to let you know Aminder is recruiting. If you're interested in joining us, shoot us an email at aminderpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Welcome back from that short little break. Right now we are going to be talking about the molecular mechanisms of APOE. And this is going to be our last group of papers, so really buckle in and get excited. So our ninth paper for this episode is titled APOE, Isoform Dependent, SARS-CoV-2, Neurotropism, and Cellular Response. This paper has first author Wang and last author Xi, and this was published in Stem Cell. So you heard it in the title. We're talking about SARS and COVID-2 and COVID-19. So this is our first paper that's really targeting the APOE molecular mechanisms, and it is super relevant given the current pandemic. So the study is looking into seeing if APOE4 leads to an increased risk of developing severe COVID-19 symptoms and what it could be actually doing in more of the mechanism behind any APOE-driven impacts of COVID-19. So what they did is they used human iPSC cells model, and they looked at SARS-CoV-2 infection of neurons and astrocytes within this model. They found that APOE4 iPSCs had an increased rate of infection of COVID-19 compared to APOE3, and they also found that APOE4 astrocytes showed a larger and highly fragmented nucleus upon COVID-19 exposure. They also showed that treating these cell cultures with rendesivir inhibited this infection in both neurons and astrocytes. This definitely needs to be expanded out and studied in more patient populations to see if this severity idea holds true, but this is an incredibly timely paper, so I'm excited to to see more about it. Okay, our 10th paper for this episode is titled, ApoE4 Impairs Neuron-Astrocyte Coupling, of fatty acid metabolism. This paper has first author Qi and last author Yen, and this was published in Cell Reports. So keeping with this astrocyte neuron trend, we are looking to see if there are cell-type-specific mechanisms that impact how APOE4 modulates brain lipid metabolism. The authors show that the APOE4 plays a detrimental role in regulating fatty acid metabolism across neurons and astrocytes. Specifically, with neuronal function, they show that there is a decrease and fatty acids sequestration into lipid droplets, which are needed to give the neurons nutrients. Typically, these fatty acids are then released and picked up by astrocytes, which APOE4 also impairs by hurting that export process. And even further, APOE4 reduces the level of oxidation to those lipids in the astrocytes. So overall, APOE4 impairs brain fatty acid regulation and bioenergetic homeostasis, and this might be promoting the lipid dysregulation and subsequent energy deficits in ApoE4 carriers that could be leading to an increased risk of Alzheimer's disease. On to paper number 11. This paper is titled Identification of Epigenome-Wide DNA Methylation Differences Between Carriers of ApoE4 and ApoE2 Alleles. This paper has first author Walker and last author Evans, and this was published in Genome Medicine. So you know that ApoE4 confers this increased risk in dementia, and ApoE2 confers a decreased risk in dementia. And so with that, we often call APOE3, like we're put them in the middle, doesn't really increase or decrease your risk. But one interesting thing about these changes, again, with keeping APOE3 in the middle, is that APOE2 and APOE4 actually have different methylation patterns due to these isoform changes in that amino acid change. And this impact of potential methylation change hasn't really been fully investigated. So this study uses a giant cohort of individuals with APOE2 and APOE4 with no Alzheimer's disease. They look at their whole blood DNA methylation patterns and they analyze those and these differential methylation positions and regions were identified and even more pathway analysis was done. So if you're interested in any of those specifics, be sure to go check it out. But basically what they found is that APOE2 and APOE4 carriers show differential methylation patterns, especially in genes that are associated with lipid homeostasis. Okay, moving on to paper number 12. This paper is titled Reversal of Apolipoprotein E4-Dependent or Chemical-Induced Accumulation of APP Degradation Products by Vitamin C-Induced Release of Heparin Sulfate from Glypan 1. This paper has first author Chang and last author Mann, and this was published in Glycobiology. So that title was a mouthful, so we're going to break it down a little apoe 4 has been implicated in leading problems with trafficking and proteins and many other things. And in this paper, we're really talking about this endosome to autophagosome trafficking. This pathway is important in trafficking of amyloid precursor proteins. So this is gonna be the precursor to amyloid beta and heparin sulfate containing proteoglycan. Both molecules are gonna be processed in the endosome and they're mutually regulated by their degradation of the products. They look at these pathways in either APOE3 or APOE4 expressing fibroblasts. They also look at them in human neuronal stem cells that were exposed to a specific cholesterol inhibitor. And they also looked at this pathway in induced neurons that were originally reprogrammed fibroblasts. They ran a ton of biochemical assays and molecular techniques on these, so if you want to see any of the specifics, be sure to go check it out. They also talk about some of the antibodies that they used for targeting these different stages of endosomes to autophagosomes, so if that's of interest to you, go check it out. But long story short, they found that in different cell types, endosome to autophagosome trafficking is disrupted, and they were able to correct these problems in both the human neuronal stem cells and the induced neurons by increasing. Increasing vitamin C exposure to help release the heparin sulfate from the cells. Okay, we have made it to the last paper for this episode. We are on paper number 13, and this paper is titled Apolipoprotein E deficiency induces the progressive increase in tissue iron contents with age in mice. This paper has first author Ma and last author Quinn, and this was published in Redox Biology. The authors of this study hypothesized that APOE might be required to help with body iron homeostasis. This is because typically Alzheimer's disease is associated with iron deposits and APOE. Those are typically seen in the brain of Alzheimer's disease patients. So the authors wanted to study and use APOE knockout mice to induce the mice to get to this progressive accumulation of iron both in their liver and their spleen, and they found that this Increase in iron was due to phosphorylated ERK-mediated pathway upregulation, and if they replenished APOE in these mice, they could partially undo these phenotypes. And the authors claim that APOE is an important in regulating body iron homeostasis. And with that, we have come to the end of this episode on Understanding ApoE. But before I let you go, I have a few reminders. If you are interested in getting the bibliography that comes with this episode, be sure to join our mailing list. Information on that is in the episode notes that are probably below. Do not forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And now I want to thank the entire team that made this episode possible, including Ellen and Jack and the rest of the sorting team for sorting the papers for this episode. Marsha for editing the script Laura for editing the episode and Bamuka and Sarah for the word cloud and bibliographies that you see with this episode and finally for Anusha for helping edit and for the music that you can find on SoundCloud under Anusha Kanesh and on YouTube under AK Music and finally we hope that you have found this podcast useful and accessible and we look forward to having you listen to another one of our podcasts very soon